Well, good morning to everyone. If you would care to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28. Lord willing, we'll conclude our study in Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew, the whole book, Matthew 28, but also the gospel of Matthew this morning. Before we begin, let's bow before our Lord in prayer. Our Father, how thankful we are to be able to come into your presence and call the God of heaven and earth our Father. Oh, how thankful we are for your electing love, your adopting love, your your love that would cause us to be your people, to be born again into your family. Father, how we thank you. And Father, I pray that you would bless us, your children this morning, with the spirit of worship. That you would enable us by thy spirit to look into thy word, by faith to see the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on him. Find rest and comfort and peace for our souls in him. And what we pray for ourselves, we pray especially for our children's classes, that you'd bless our young ones and bless our teachers who teach them. Father, how thankful we are for these gifted and faithful teachers that you've given to us. And I pray you'd bless them as they teach our young ones the scriptures and that you might use this time to plant the seeds of faith in their heart. And what we pray for ourselves here, Father, we do pray for your people everywhere. In this dark and difficult day, Father, I pray you'd Cause your gospel to run well where it's preached. That there would be a, a light in the darkness for your people. Father, for those who are hurting and sick, we pray for them. Those who are in different trials and deep waters. Father, you've brought them there. And we pray that you would soon deliver them. Until such time as you're pleased to deliver them. We pray that you'd give them a special portion of your presence. That you'd let them... Have a fulfillment of your promise that you never leave nor forsake your people. But Father, all these things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For his glory, his namesake we pray. Amen. I've titled our lesson this morning, The One Job of the Church. Our text this morning gives us the very last words of instruction and comfort that our Savior gave before he ascended back to the Father. And in his very last words for his people as he's on the earth, he tells his church on earth, and the, the church on earth is not people in, or the, this building, it's God's people from all over. There is one church, God's people from all over. All God's people on this earth have one job to do until he returns, just one. It's to preach the gospel, to preach him. And I have several points. The first one is this which is why I just told you, the one job on earth that the church has is to preach Christ. Let's look at that beginning in verse 19 of uh, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now the Lord makes this so simple we can't mistake it. The one job he's given us till he returns is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach everyone everywhere who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And I tell you how we do that. It's by preaching Christ and him crucified. And only that. Our job is not social programs. I'm all for social programs. An expert ought to do that. 
Our job is to preach Christ. Our job is not political policies. Our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is not to be the morality police. I wish our society would act, act better. Um, Janet says, I wish they'd have some act right. But that's not our job, to be the morality police. Our job is to preach Christ. Our Savior clearly defines this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And this charge, just so you know this, is not wasn't just given to the apostles. It's not given to pastors and preachers today. It's given to all the church, to everyone who believes Christ. Now you use whatever gifts and whatever opportunities that the Lord's given you. You may not be called to preach, but God's given you some abilities. He's given you some opportunities to help the gospel be preached to our generation. You know, we're to witness. We're to invite folks to come to the surface. We're to pray. You know, people say, well, I'm not very outgoing. I don't, I'm, I'm not good at talking to people about the, about the Lord and about the scriptures and about the gospel. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can pray, can't you? We can pray and ask the Lord to, to bless his word where it's preached. I sure do wish is throughout the week, whenever I come to your mind, you pray for me as I'm studying and, pre- and preparing. I sure do wish you'd do that. We can give. We can see something needs to be done around this place and, and just do it without being asked. Do whatever it is we can do so that Christ is preached. That is our job. Now, that's a, that's a job. But you think what a blessing that is. What a blessing that God's given us this, this commission to go preach the gospel. The Lord reveals himself to us. He gives us faith to believe him. He, he, he saves us. He, he came and shed his blood to put away our sin. He causes us to believe him and to love him. And all that's in your heart. All that's in your, that, that new nature that God gives you. And then he tells us, go brag on me. <laughs> Every opportunity you get. Go. Isn't that a blessing? To be able to tell folks about Christ. And Lord commands us, go everywhere in all the world and preach the gospel to all men. Because I don't care who they are, where they are, I don't care what their background is, what their color is, what their creed is, what their race is. What all men everywhere need is one thing. To believe Christ. Now go preach Him. Go tell them who He is. We're to, we're, and i tell you why we're to do that. What a Savior we have to go brag on. He has a people from all over the world. I mean, what a Savior that saved a people from all over the world. Different tribes, different languages, different situations. I mean, just what a Savior we have. Every nation under heaven has somebody in it that's one of God's elect. Now you go preach to them. Tell them who Christ is. The means that the Lord uses to call out his elect, his people from everywhere, the the means that the Lord is pleased to use to reveal Christ to people is to have one sinner go tell another sinner who the Savior is. That's a blessing. That's a blessing that that God's given that to us. And what a blessing, what a Savior we have to, to without fear of contradiction, go tell people, Christ is the Savior of sinners. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you haven't done. If you believe on Him, you'll be saved. What a blessing. Now the Lord tells us here, you teach, you teach all men, all nations everywhere, what I've commanded you. Now the gospel is a commandment. 
You know, we're not going into all nations begging people to do something. This is a commandment from God. And the commandment, contrary to popular opinion, is not to obey the Ten Commandments. And isn't that a good thing? It's too late. <laughs> We've already broken the Ten Commandments. Jonathan, that ship sailed, hasn't it? Now, that, that's not the commandment. The commandment of the gospel is to believe. That's so much simpler than to, than to try to keep all the law of God. Believe Christ. He obeyed God's law. He did it perfectly. Now you believe Him. You trust Him. Quit working, trying to make God happy with you, and trust Christ. He already pleased His Father fully. That's our message. We have a message of rest and peace and hope and comfort to preach to people. I'm just I'm glad I don't have to get out to whip it along and go tell people act better, you know, and obey the law better. Just there's hope, there's peace, there's comfort, there's assurance in believing Christ. And when, by God's grace, somebody believes what you're saying, we know few will believe what we're saying, but when when by God's grace somebody does believe what you're saying, and they do believe Christ, our Lord says you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now the word teach, go ye therefore and teach all nations. That word teach means make disciples. Now if somebody believes on Christ, the Christ that we preach, we're to baptize them in his name. Because now they're his disciple. Now we don't make the disciples. You know, I know the word says make the, we don't make the, the, the disciples. The Lord makes the disciples. We just preach Christ to them. But you notice the order. Yeah, I think this is an important thing to notice in the order. Somebody doesn't become a disciple after they're baptized. They're baptized after the Lord makes them a disciple. See that? Baptism doesn't save anybody. Baptism is a confession that the Lord has already saved us. So this is why the Lord tells us, you baptize believers, my disciples, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because salvation is the work of the whole Godhead. The whole Godhead joined together in this thing of salvation to save God's people from their sin. The Father chose them. The Son redeemed them by His blood. The Spirit calls them out and gives them faith in Christ. And when a person believes on Christ, they confess that faith that the Holy Spirit's given them by identifying with Christ in believers' baptism. And when a person's baptized, it's a confession. They're confessing, I believe. That all it takes to save me is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's all it takes. I don't need anything else. Christ has already put my sin away. When Christ died, this is my only hope of salvation. He died for me. And I died in him. And when he died and was buried, I was buried in him. That's why we dunk him under the water. as a picture of Christ's burial. But we're also confessing that when Christ arose, he arose because his blood put my sin away. So when he arose, I arose in him. I arose to new life in him. And that's why we bring people up out of the water. You know, when, uh, when one of our brothers or sisters confesses Christ in believers' baptism, isn't it a blessing? It touches your heart, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I hear it. I baptize somebody. This is what I hear as, as, as we're praying. <laughs> You know, it gets our heart, doesn't it? We're so thankful. Oh, God's mercy. To Well, that wouldn't be very much reason to be happy if we dunked somebody in the water and held them there, would it? <laughs> no, we bring them up. 
Because when Christ arose, it's the, it's the proof positive. His sacrifice justified his people from their sin and gave us eternal life. What a, again, this, everything about the, the gospel, everything about our God's commandment to us is wonder. His commandments are not grievous. This is wonderful. What a wonderful opportunity it is for a new believer to publicly confess. God saved me. And this is how he saved me, through the sacrifice of Christ. <laughs> I tell you, if the, if the Lord saved us, if he's revealed Christ to us, it, it's just a blessing. It's a I just I can't tell you how many times I baptized somebody. Said, oh, I wish I'd done this so long ago. Just, it's a blessing. This is how God saved me. And this is what our Lord's telling us. Now you go take this gospel that I've commanded you and that I've taught you. And you teach it. You teach it to all men everywhere. Period. That's the end of the commandment. And I'm glad it stops there. Aren't you glad the Lord didn't tell us go get results? Aren't you glad he didn't tell us go build so many churches, go get so many disciples? He, he didn't tell us to get the results. He said, you preach. You preach me. And you leave the results to me. I'll call out my people. So that's our job as a church body. Preach Christ to our generation. The Lord tells us go into all the world and we'll do that as the Lord enables us. But I tell you what the thing that the Lord has enabled us to do. Preach the gospel to our generation in our town right here at Hurricane Road Christ Church. That's an awful good place to start. Isn't it? So we're only to preach Christ. That's God's commandment. Well, why? Why are we to only preach Christ? Well, it's for the sake of unbelievers. Look up at verse 11. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we'll persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Now our Lord, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, arose from the dead. He walked out of the tomb. There was a great earthquake. There was this angel in these bright clothes. The guards saw all that happen. That angel's talking to the two Marys. The guards saw all that happen. Now they were playing dead because they were scared to death, but they saw it all. They heard it all. They're eyewitnesses to this thing, the Lord's resurrection. As soon as everybody cleared out, they quit playing dead, and they went and told the chief priest what had happened. Now, from the perspective of the chief priest, this is bad news. If Jesus of Nazareth arose from the dead, he is who he says he is. He's the Son of God. He's the long-awaited Messiah that God sent to save us from our sin, and what do we do with him? We tortured him and killed him instead of believing on him. This is bad news. So rather than repent and bow and beg God for mercy, they concocted this wild story. And this is what you tell them. They told these soldiers, this is what you tell them. But the disciples, Jesus came in the middle of the night and they rolled that stone away, that great stone. They rolled it away from, from the opening of that tomb and they stole the dead body of Jesus. They took it somewhere else secretly and buried it so nobody could find him. 
And they did that to trick people into thinking that Christ arose from the dead. And this is what you tell them now. These professional soldiers, I mean, these Roman soldiers were somebody. <laughs> They're professional soldiers. I mean, they walk just without hesitation into the spears and arrows and just, I mean, they fearless, fierce men. They're professional soldiers who knew their heads on a chopping block if they let something go wrong here. Now you just tell them you fell asleep. And while all this commotion was going on, you never woke up. And people believed that wild story rather than believing the obvious. The Lord said, in three days I'm going to rise again. Here in three days, the tomb's empty. He rose again. Rather than believe that, they just, they just believe these professional soldiers, you know, just all slept through this whole thing. And you know why they did that? Natural man would rather believe a lie than the truth. We love a lie. By nature, we love a lie. And we hate the truth. Natural man, there's so many examples of this. Natural man would rather believe the theory of evolution rather than God the creator. Natural man would rather believe we can earn a righteousness by what we do. If, if my good works outweigh my, my, outweigh my bad works, God will view me as perfect. Now, if I have bad works, any, how can I be perfect? But they'd rather believe God will view me as perfect if my bad works or my good works outweigh my bad works rather than believing in Christ our righteousness who completely satisfied God's law for his people. Natural man would rather believe the ideas that we've concocted up about who God is and how God saves sinners rather than believe the plainly revealed word of God. You know, the word of God is not difficult to understand. You know, people use all kinds of excuses. Well, I don't understand, you know, the old English. I don't understand. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. People, the, the Bible is, is so simple. Children can understand what it's saying. Our problem is we can't believe it. And we'd rather believe some off-the-wall thing that we've concocted up out of a dead mind rather than just believe the book that God's given us that tells who he is and how, how he saves sinners. And the chief priests are just like false prophets today. Even though they knew the truth, they preached a lie. And they bribed people to do it. They'd rather lie and protect their place and protect their um, position, you know, in, in society because the lie makes them more money. People love a lie. So you tell a lie... They'll support you. They'll give you money, you know. And it, they told this lie. They told a, I didn't look this word up. I don't know if the same meaning is teach here, but the Lord says you teach all nations. In verse 15, they took the money and did as they were taught. As they were taught. The chief priest taught them a lie and told them to go tell it. And people believed it. I take this to me. I don't know. I've never really talked to someone who, who is a, a, a Jew about this, but Scripture says it's commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. His body was just stolen from the tomb and you know reburied somewhere. And we, we never knew it. That's believing the lie of false prophet. 
And that's the nature every son of Adam has. Now the job of the church is to preach Christ to the unbelieving world. Preach Christ to sinners who don't know Christ. They don't know him. They don't know who God is. They don't know who Christ is. They don't know how God saves sinners. They don't know about the the character and nature of God. They don't know about the righteousness of God. They don't know about the grace of God. So you preach Christ to them, tell them who Christ is. So they'll believe on him and be saved. I mean, it just stands to reason. How can you believe on somebody you don't know? If you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Christ of this book, how can you believe on him? Somebody's got to tell us who he is, doesn't it? So we'll believe him. How can we love somebody that we don't know? How can we love the truth of the gospel if we don't know it? Somebody's got to go tell it. And this is our job. Now, our job is not to go get people to make a decision. This is our job. Glorify the Savior. Preach Christ so clearly and glorify Him so clearly that unbelievers will see, that the blind will see His redemptive glory and they'll believe on Christ and their souls will be saved. We're to preach this gospel and glorify Christ so that unbelievers will believe, will come to know Christ. And I'll say it again, the Lord has told us to go do that in all the world. And the best place I can think of to start is right here. We're We're to preach Christ to our families. We're to preach Christ to our children. Our children are born into this world the same nature you and me got. I mean, they're a mess. Our job is to do what our teachers are doing right now and teach them Christ. Teach them who Christ is. Our job is is to teach Christ to, to our community so people will know who Christ is. That's the commandment that God's given. Go tell them the message about the Savior who had mercy on us and saved us. That's our job. Nothing else. All right, thirdly, our job is to preach Christ. Why? For the sake of believers. For the sake of unbelievers, but also for the sake of believers. Look at verse 16. And when the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain, where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now, it just says here, some doubted. It doesn't say one doubted, does it? It says some doubted. We all know about how Thomas doubted. They came and Thomas wasn't there when the Lord appeared unto the other ten. And, and they told Thomas, the Lord has risen. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I thrust my hand into those holes in his side, in his hands. I'm not going to believe it. This makes it sound like more doubted even after they saw the Lord risen. They saw him. I guess they thought maybe he was still some kind of ghost. or I mean, I don't know. But even though they saw him, they still doubted. Maybe they thought their eyes were playing tricks on them. Maybe they thought this is too good to be true. I don't know. Now, we need to remember that believers on earth are still sinners. I mean, the best we can ever hope to be in this earth is to be a sinner saved by grace. That's the best we can ever hope to be. God has saved us. Now we can say that. God saved me. He's caused me to be born again. He's caused me to be born again with a new nature. A nature that loves God and believes Christ. But I'm still a sinner. 
I still have a sinful nature. God has given us a nature that 100% believes Christ. Every believer has that nature. 100% believes Christ. Can't believe anything but Christ. But we also still have an old nature that cannot believe. That will not believe. That will believe anything but Christ. We got those two natures. Always uh, this leaves us a sinner. Saved by grace. Brother Fortner said we're forgiven. But not faultless. We're pardoned. But not perfect. That's every believer. And sometimes our faith is stronger than others. It wavers doesn't it? Well what can we do? For our doubting and weak and hurting brethren. I'll tell you what we'll do for them. We'll preach Christ to them. We got the same message for the believer and unbeliever alike. I don't have to come up with one Sunday. Okay, well this is a message for unbelievers. And then next Sunday I got a message for believers. We got one message for everybody. Believer and unbeliever alike. It's Christ and Him crucified. And I tell you, when you preach Christ to those that know Him, they're going to look to Him. You remind them, oh, Christ is everything you need. Christ, He's your all and in all. You've looked to Him. You've looked to Him. God saved you. Now you keep looking to Him for everything that you need. And I tell you, you preach that message to a believer. Oh, and they're going to leave this place skipping. I mean skipping. I recently preached a message and Brother Bob Boyd came and said, if I could do it, I'd jump up and click my heels together. That's what happens for a believer. You preach Christ to him. I said, oh, yeah, I know him. I know who you're talking about. I don't care how full of doubt we are. I don't care how dark the night is. The heart of a believer is comforted. The heart of a believer finds assurance if somebody will just preach Christ to me again. And the exact same message. Over here there could be an unbeliever. They hear this message and they, Lord save me. I see. And over here is a believer who's been hearing the gospel for 50 years. I say, oh, that's just what I needed. <laughs> I tell you, the gospel of Christ is the only message that can fit people that feel like they've got so many different needs and so many different problems. That's the gospel God's commanded us to preach. Now go preach it. I love preaching the gospel to unbelievers. I, oh, I want them to know Christ. I want... But I tell you, can you think of anything better? I hope I'm saying this right. Than to take one of your brothers or sisters that you love so much and be able to give them a word that comforts their heart. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that, does it? That's the message that God's given us to preach. So let's go preach it. And tell, tell believers, I know you doubt. I know you worry. I know you hurt. I know it. Oh, but just keep looking to Christ. You've looked to Him. Now keep looking to Him. All right, here's the fourth thing. Now our job is to preach the gospel. It's our one and only job. How can we be confident that message will get the job done? Verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now here's the reason we know preaching Christ will get the job done. Preaching Christ will save the lost. 
and it'll comfort the hearts of God's people because all power has been given to our Savior. All we've got to do is preaching as clearly and as simply as we can. We don't have to, we don't have to pr- produce any results. We just preach Christ. He has all power. And He is the one who makes His Word accomplish the purpose whereunto He sent it. Isn't that comforting? Doesn't that give you a desire to help the gospel be preached? We can't lose. We can't be defeated. We cannot fail as long as we preach Christ and believe Him. That gives me the, oh, I want to go preach Him. Just let me at it, you know. I hate to bring up a sore subject, but Sean, if you knew Kentucky could not lose yesterday at Knoxville, would you want to be there? (laughs) I mean, that's a silly illustration, but we can't lose. We can't fail if we preach Christ. Let me add. Brother Scott Richardson was at a conference one time. It finally came his turn to preach, and he got up there. He said, I know how these conferences are. He said, everybody says, oh, this guy preached a good message. He said, let me add it. I, I, I think I'm going to outdo him. Let me add him. Yeah. Well, I kind of, let me add him. Oh, let me preach Christ. Oh, we can't lose. And listen, the power of our Savior He has all power. It's not far off. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. (laughs) I mean, you just, the Savior has all powers with us. Go into battle with confidence. You can't lose. Christ our Savior lives to ensure His gospel saves and comforts His people. And he's commanded us to go preach it. God help us to do it well. I want to do it well, don't you? By his, by his power, by his grace, I want to do it well. Now, I don't I have to tell you, I don't know where we'll uh, go next Sunday uh, in our Bible lesson. I've come to the end of Matthew. I feel a little bit like a kid in a candy store, you know. I look, oh, well, I'd like to teach that. I'd like to teach. So we'll, Lord, lead somewhere, and we'll go there next Sunday, Lord willing, all right? Lord bless you.